Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Look at Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. Acts 14, 21 through 28. This is such an interesting passage. It's just kind of a, a shotgun of historical time frame. Right? There's circumstances that are taking place in Paul and Barnabas's life. They're on their first missionary journey. They're about to wrap it up. Uh, they've been persecuted. They've seen God do some amazing things. Many people have come to know Christ through the ministry that uh, God used them in, the proclamation of the word. And now he concludes this first missionary journey. They end up back in Antioch where they're able to celebrate with other believers what God has done with them. But think of it this way, because I think this kind of sums it up. Believers are to continue in the faith, celebrating together our experiences with God. Believers are to continue in the faith, celebrating together our experiences with God. What are you celebrating this morning in your experience with God? Most of the time we talk about celebration and we talk about uh, things that are good. We talk about victories. And obviously that's a part of that. But the victories of God may be difficult ones. The victories of God may be times where we went through circumstances that were harsh, where we've been persecuted, mocked. You can clearly see that in the life of Paul, where he was beaten and left for dead. And yet the victory in it was that the gospel was proclaimed. That many people came to know Christ, that the believers were strengthened in the faith, that the churches were established. Sometimes the victories are are not easy. (laughs) Sometimes the celebration, it's not what we feel in the sense of, you know, some kind of victory that feels good. But we know that it's to the glory of Christ. Folks, as we walk with God, there are going to be times where it's difficult. But praise God. His grace is sufficient. He is able, and he has victory over us in the midst of those circumstances so that through us, he is glorified. He is seen. He is correctly identified and recognized. Paul, in this passage, encourages the believers to do several things. First, to continue in the faith. Secondly, he commends them to the Lord. (laughs) I love this picture. He lines them up under the headship of Christ. That's such a beautiful picture for a church. And lastly, they all come together. They all get back to Antioch. They all call the church together at Antioch, and they begin to celebrate the works of God. What a beautiful picture of a a body of believers that come together and are just ecstatic about what God is doing, what God has done, and following him in the midst of life. So first of all, they continue in the faith. In verse 21, he says this, After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. There's a couple things in this that I think are important to address. First of all, he says, strengthening the souls of of the disciples. They, they return to Lystra, they return to Iconium, uh, then they ultimately get back to Antioch. What he's saying, Luke, in writing this, is along the way, 
in every church fellowship body that they come into as they return back to Antioch. They do two things. First of all, they strengthen the souls of the disciples. And secondly, they encourage them to continue in the faith. The word strengthen here is to support, to fasten firmly, to confirm. If, you, if, if you've got a weak beam in your house, what are you going to do to it? You're going you're to strengthen it. You're going to help support it. You're going to put something in place to make sure that it's going to stay where it needs to stay. And that's kind of the idea here. To strengthen means to be supported, to be confirmed in. These are new believers. They've already begun to go through persecution. Paul himself was left for dead. They recognize that circumstances are not necessarily going to go their way all the time. And as a result, Paul and Barnabas are coming back to them and strengthening them, helping support them, helping to confirm them, to fasten them firmly in the faith. He says to strengthen the souls of the disciples. Now that's a very large thing. We could get very philosophical on this. I believe that we are three parts We are body, right? We are soul, and we are spirit. I think the New Testament makes that clear. The soul here is referring to the mind, how they think. Contextually, he's referring to how they think about their circumstances. How do they think about what they're going through? How do they perceive? How are they looking at things through God's eyes? How do they recognize God's sovereign hand in the midst of their lives in order to perfect them, to draw them closer to himself and the relationship that they have with them? How are they being fastened firmly, confirmed, established in their understanding of what God has declared them to be and now the walk that they have as a result? The word encourage means to come alongside, to comfort them. I think Paul was very capable of doing that in the Spirit of God, through the Spirit of God, because he had been through very difficult circumstances. They knew that. Every place that he had gone to, he had been already in trials and tribulations. He had already had threats against his life. He had already been stoned to the point where they thought he was dead. So he's able to come alongside of them, and he's able to strengthen them as well as to encourage them to continue in the faith. The word continue means to abide in, to abide in. Remember, he's talking to believers here. He's specifically talking to disciples, people who are willing to follow Christ, willing to count the cost. He's encouraging them. He's coming alongside of them. He's comforting them, and he wants them to continue to remain in. The faith, that's a present tense. It means all the time. It doesn't just mean on Sunday mornings. It doesn't just mean on Wednesday nights. It means every moment of every day, walk with God no matter what. And he makes it very clear that there are going to be troubles. There are tribulations. He says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The word must there means must. It will happen. If you are seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and you want to walk with him, you are walking to a different drumbeat than this world, friend, and you will come into conflict with the world. The world will find you out because you're light, they're darkness, and they want to stomp you down. (laughs) That's the reality of it. And Paul says, you're going to go through many tribulations. And already, early on in his ministry, in the first missionary journey, he's able to say, look at my life as an example. What did he do? All he did was proclaim the grace of God. 
All he did was talk about the wonderful salvation story of Christ. And people couldn't stand that. Flesh reacts against that. Because we're dependent upon the Lord and not our flesh. Not what we can do for God, but what God has done for us. I want to take a moment with this idea of strengthened. Because I always think it's interesting. You know, we, we talk about being strengthened in the faith. And many people have been taught, and maybe you're like this. I was. You've got to do a whole list of activities in order to be strengthened in the faith. You've got to wake up at, you know, dark 4.30 and you've got to journal and you've got to get into 10 different chapters at least in the morning. And, and you better read through the Bible in a year and you better attend church every time that door opens. And you better, and boy, oh boy, I'm, don't, let's not forget giving. If you don't give, you know, we're good at shooting our own, aren't we? Now, I do believe in giving, so. <laughs> Come on. Those are, what are they? They're consequences. They're not causes. If you're not giving in your life, there's probably a relationship issue between you and the Lord. If you're not in the word of God and you don't love getting into the word of God and maybe it's dark 4.30 in the morning, maybe it's 12 o'clock midnight. But if you don't love getting in the word of God and working on and developing and listening to the Lord and cultivating that relationship with God, guess what? There's probably a relationship issue with Christ himself. He's the cause. He's the focus. All the other things are an outflow. They're fruit within us that God begins to produce through us that God calls us to. And we have the opportunity of walking with him in the midst of it. If you don't like going to church, there's probably something in your relationship with the Lord. When he talks about being strengthened, he's not talking about a laundry list of things that we've got to do in order to exercise our faith and somehow that through our effort and our activity that we will get stronger because we did something for God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about cultivating our relationship in Christ Jesus. I had a strength coach when I was in, at Liberty University for the baseball team, and I liked the guy. He was a nice guy. His name's Charles. And I'll never forget him because uh, Charles used me as a guinea pig one particular time. And uh, that's why I've never forgotten his name because I, I didn't really appreciate it. Uh, they, were all, they were all fired up because uh, the football team and some of the guys had created this steel plate. It was about a six foot by six foot steel plate. And they had welded some hooks uh, onto this steel plate. And then they put about four inches of a special foam on top of it. And so you'd get on this thing. It was kind of springy and bouncy. And then what they would do is they would take surgical tubing. They had created a harness out of surgical tubing, uh, which is very elastic. And, and they would tie you, in effect, onto that steel plate. So you were being held down. Does that follow? Okay. And then they put you, or they put me, <laughs> through about an hour's worth of calf exercises, okay? Now, I was in good shape at that time, not so much anymore. I could run, you know, I could do the things I lifted all the time. I want to tell you something. <laughs> when I got done that hour's worth of calf exercises, I was a little tired. 
But if you know anything about lifting or strength training, it doesn't really hit you right away. That night, we were leaving for Florida for a friend of mine's wedding, and I was driving all night with Steph and some of my friends. And on the way down, I was driving a stick shift car. Suddenly, my calves weren't working the way that they were intended by God to function. You understand what I'm saying? All of a sudden, trying to get out of the car became difficult. The next day, I was supposed to walk down the aisle, and we went to the practice and all that kind of stuff for the wedding, and I I felt like a robot. I couldn't move. I got up on the steps, and I thought I was going to fall over. This is the practice. Forget the wedding. The following day at the wedding, it was even worse. I literally felt like I had hot knives being shoved in them, and Charles was on the mind. Thoughts that you shouldn't have about people were going through my mind. (laughs) Isn't that how we normally think about exercising in the faith? All this stuff that's supposed to be so good for us that we're supposed to be active in and then we're supposed to be doing, 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 doing because it's all good for us and all of a sudden we go, what the world? I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm even angry. I'm supposed to enjoy this stuff, but it doesn't seem like it's working. It actually seems like it's hurting. Suddenly all the conflict comes into my life. When he talks about strengthening folks, understand what he's talking about is cultivating a relationship with Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus in us begins to give us a joy in the doing. He leads us. He guides us. He walks with us. And we are free to follow him. The word strength, the root idea is used throughout the New Testament. It's really interesting. It's used four times in the book of Acts. All within the context of strengthening believers. But look over at Romans chapter 16 verses 25 and following. Romans 16 verses 25 through 27. There's a beautiful picture here. The word establish is used, which is the same root word as what we're looking at here in Acts, meaning to strengthen. And Paul writes this in his conclusion of the most phenomenal letter, I believe, in the New Testament, the most complete, certainly, with regard to our salvation. But Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27, he says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Same root word is used in Acts. To strengthen you. Listen to what he says. How does the strengthening take place? According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. There's one. He's able to strengthen you. How? According to my gospel. According to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Secondly, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested. It's been brought to light. In the context of Romans, the mystery that he's talking about is the church. That we've been called as Jews and Gentiles to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we have now become the body of Christ. We're the church. We're the called out ones. And lastly, he says, and by, meaning through, by the means of, the scriptures of the prophets. I think if you want to summarize it, he says this. The one who's able to establish you, to strengthen you, does it through three main ways. Through the message of salvation, the message of grace, what God has done for us. 
through the church, the body of believers, that we come together and we're encouraged because we're able to praise God and and praise him for what he's done for us. And the word of God, the word of God. We're strengthened, we're established, we're confirmed, we're supported. No matter what the trials of life, no matter what the circumstances may be, through the word of God. (laughs) Teachers, you understand, and I say this to myself as everybody else, we're strength coaches. We're strength coaches. And what do we do? We teach the word of God. We proclaim the word of God. We proclaim the sufficiency of Christ. We proclaim his life. We proclaim the salvation. We proclaim the fact that we are believers in Christ. And as a result, we're part of this church. And we proclaim the word of God because it is through that that our relationship with Christ is cultivated and we are strengthened in the midst of all the trials and tribulations of life. That's what we're here for, folks. That's why we preach the word of God. Because in the midst of your life, you're going to go through things where you need to be encouraged. You need to be strengthened in what God has said concerning who you are in Christ and what he alone is able to do in and through you. He uses this word strengthen throughout the New Testament and it's almost always used in the context of suffering, persecution, or tribulation. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort, and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. No matter what you do, who's the one that's strengthening you? When you're a believer, when you're a child of the king, God is walking with you so that no matter what circumstance you go through, the Lord's the one that is strengthening you. The Lord's the one who's comforting you. Just a few verses later in chapter 3, verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians, he says, The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. What a beautiful truth. We're in a spiritual war. We know that out of Ephesians very clearly. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the principalities, against Satan and his demonic forces. But the Lord himself is the one that strengthens us and protects us from the evil one. 1 Peter 5.10, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Wow. How are we strengthened? It is by Christ himself. It is because we are reminded of this great salvation, which is by grace. It is that we are a part of the church, and we are believers that come together in fellowship and lift up high the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the word of God, because God teaches us, and he's constantly guiding us and directing us, and he's protecting us in the midst of life, and he's working for our benefit in all things. You being strengthened? Are you availing yourself to Christ in the midst of life? Cultivating that personal relationship with Him, trusting Him. He'll lead you and guide you in the specific activities that He wants you to do, but you get to experience Him along the way. 
Well, he encourages them to continue in the faith, but he also commends them to the Lord. In verse 23, he says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, this is interesting. He appointed elders. He put elders in place to oversee or shepherd the churches. Probably these men were the same leaders within the synagogue who had responded to the the salvation message, had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, were saved. They certainly needed to have the character as written by Paul to Timothy and Titus. You can look at that. I, I think it's interesting because in the midst of this, it says, when they had appointed elders for them. Now, what is he talking about? The they... I believe is clearly referring to Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas came back and as apostles, they recognized the leading of the Holy Spirit because it's ultimately the Holy Spirit that appoints elders and they appoint them. Now the word appoint here is a fascinating one. Let me just share this with you. It has the idea of affirmation. It has the idea that they raise their hands in agreement. And I think this is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of how God works with leadership and with the body of Christ. The picture here is Paul and Barnabas, led by the Holy Spirit, recognizes certain men that were to be elders, shepherds, overseers of the flock. And the body of Christ had the opportunity to affirm them and to agree in this sense that they recognized that these men were of the character of what an elder should be. They were affirming this decision. Now, at our church, we have elders. And one of the things you can be in prayer about, we're looking at two particular men right now. We're going through a process with them. When we get to the point where we're in agreement that we believe the Holy Spirit is raising up these men in order to be shepherds, to be overseers of this particular congregation, we'll go through a time where you will have 30 days to respond to that. You'll have the opportunity to say, whoa, wait a minute, are you kidding me? Or, amen, hallelujah, that's wonderful. Praise God. And at the end of that time, we'll come before you as as elders, as an elder body, as an elder team. We will affirm at that moment that we believe God is leading in this. And you have the opportunity to affirm that we are hearing from the Lord on this. Because ultimately it is the Lord that leads us in these things. By the way, a couple weeks ago, we uh, ordained a couple deacons, and Dave Jarvis and, and Wes Olson are very glad that they are not elders. <laughs> so just to, just to remind you of that, right? Dave, I don't know where he is. He normally sitting over back here, but there he is. Yeah, see the smile, right? If you go up to Dave and say, are you an elder? Dave will say, I really appreciate that, and uh, you know that's wonderful, but I've been in those elder meetings. No way, so. <laughs> oh. They appointed elders for them in every church. This wasn't just a cultural thing. This was cross-cultural. Folks, this is the biblical way to do this. I don't think there's any question about that. There's all different kinds of systems out there, and there's all different kinds of ways to do this, but I think the biblical way is to have elders because they are shepherds. They're the ones who help guard the flock regarding doctrine and direction, certainly regarding discipline, which I like to put in the category of relationships. We're here to make sure that the Lord is followed. We're not the only ones that hear from the Lord. Can I make that clear? 
We're not the only ones that hear from the Lord. But God has appointed us into the role as elders to make sure that the Lord is heard. That's a really important distinction. I I like how one of my former pastors that I served with put it. And he said, with an elder form of government, it's not that you're losing a vote. Because if you've ever been in a congregational place where you have the vote, it's all about... Well, I won't get onto that soapbox, but there's a lot of different agendas that come to bear. Can I put it that way? You don't lose a vote. You gain a voice. That's why we're doing congregational meetings, because we want to hear, what is the Lord saying to you? Because the issue here is making sure that the Lord is heard. That's why we've put it this way. Christ led. Christ led. That's the essential issue. Elder guarded. We have uh, a God-given responsibility to shepherd the flock of God, not the Lord over them, but to shepherd the flock of God, which means that we need to primarily make sure that the Lord is heard. Pastor guided, because we have pastors who have elder qualifications in every area of ministry. And then, folks, I don't want to leave this last one out, but body engaged, because... We're a body of believers. God has a specific role for you. God has a way for you to fit into this body. God has gifted you with certain spiritual gifts that he desires to use in and through your life without which we are incomplete. We may have a really strong right arm, but we got a really, really weak left knee. We need everybody participating in following God by faith because the Lord is the one who brings this together so that the entire body serving Christ under the headship of Christ begins to build up the body in love. I think it's a beautiful truth when we begin to walk through this that the Lord is the head. And what Paul and Barnabas are ultimately doing is they are helping commend them. The word commend here means to help them line up correctly under the headship of Christ. They commended the believers to the Lord. It means that the Lord is the focus. The Lord's the one who we follow. That's why we say Christ-led, because it is him that we seek to follow, to walk with. We want to do everything that he wants us to do. We don't want to have anything to do uh, with, we don't want to have anything to do with those things that he doesn't want us to have something to do with. That's the reality of it. It's Christ-led, the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 24, it says, they passed through Bethsaida and came into Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. So they continue their journey, and they continue to teach the word of God, to preach and proclaim the word of God. In verse 26, we see that they begin to celebrate the works of God. In verse 26, he says, From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. Now, I want to point something out to you, because it drives me a little bit batty. I don't know why they do this, but praise God. I love our translations, but I personally like the HD view rather than black and white, okay? Two times in this passage, the word commended is used. Right, Paul earlier commends the believers to the Lord. It literally means to line up, to put in the proper place. To line up under the authority of Christ himself. 
Shepherds are given in order to oversee, but ultimately to make sure that the Lord is heard, the Lord is followed, that the word of God is listened to. Here, the idea of commended to the grace of God means to be given over to. To be given over to. Well, why were they given over to the grace of God? Because God had called them to an amazing work. God had set them aside in order to go to the uttermost. Remember the calling of Paul. Paul's life was to take the gospel to the Gentiles to suffer. And when they prayed about it and they fasted about it, when they began to walk through, who is it that they were supposed to send? The Holy Spirit pointed out both Paul and Barnabas, and they were commended. They were given over to what? The grace of God. They were given a work that they needed grace for. They were given a work that was far beyond their ability. Paul says, I'm inadequate for these things. God is the one who's adequate. They needed the Lord himself and his grace in the midst of that which they had been called to. So they were given over to the grace of God. Antioch is the Gentile church that's the center of Christianity. The gospel is spread from there to the uttermost. And in earlier in Acts, Acts chapter 11, this is where they were first called Christians. In Acts chapter 13, this is where Paul and Barnabas were set aside to this work. That they now came back to these people and began to share what God had done with them. Accomplished simply means fulfilled. They've been called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. They had done this to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. They had fulfilled that which God had set them aside to do. And grace in the midst of it was necessary for them to do it. They had experienced God all along the way. And this is what they begin to share in verse 27. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and they spent a long time with the disciples. They stayed there. They built relationship. The word report means to share, to give a message. What were they sharing? What was the message about? All things that God had done with them. They had gotten to experience the Lord. They went from city to city. They went to the synagogues. They were persecuted. Paul was even left for dead. Whether he was risen again from the dead or not, I don't know. I think he was. But in the midst of it, they had experienced God. And they bring this report and they begin to share all the things that God had done with them. Many had become believers because of how the Lord had worked. The Lord had been with them, and you can see this earlier in Acts chapter 14, where in verse 3 he says, Therefore they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. The Lord's the one that's doing this. The Lord's affirming them, supporting them, strengthening them, encouraging them, giving them the ability to do the things that they were doing. And they come back and they give the report of what the Lord was doing with them. The lame man, Paul, being revived after being stoned. I mean, story after story after story in the midst of this first missionary journey. I love Acts 13, 52, where he says, the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The report they come back with is not, look at us. Look at our numbers. Look at what we did. The report they come back with is, look what God's done. Look what we got to experience. 
Look at how he sustained us. Look at the greatness of his grace. Look how we got to learn more about the Lord. And as a result of the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his strengthening us in the midst of that, look how many people came to know him. They came back and they glorified the Lord. They gave him the credit. It says that there was an opening of doors for the Gentiles, which is a beautiful picture. The Lord went before them and fulfills the Acts 1.8, where God through them, not only starting out in Jerusalem, also into Judea, and then into Samaria, but now even to the uttermost. And even the Gentiles are coming to know Christ by faith. Wow. God opens doors. The Lord's the one that does that. Sometimes I think as Baptists, we, we try to bash the doors down. <laughs> and what we really need to do is take a step back and say, wait a second, Lord, this is your, your thing. How can we be in prayer? How can we cultivate our relationship with you? How can we make sure we walk with you? What is it that you're doing that you're calling us to? Because when God opens a door, no man can shut it. I want to encourage you in a couple things in this because for me, this has been an, a, an amazing journey. For three years, literally, I've been praying, Lord, is there a way to begin to minister to the schools in our area? Is, a door, is there a door that you would open? Last week, I got an email from a lady at one of the middle schools. And she said, I, I would like to come and talk to you and I'd like to share with you a little bit about a project that I'm wondering if you would be willing to help us with, Hoffmantown. <laughs> Three years. So Jason and I met with her. And I won't go into all the details, but the point of the matter is, is at that middle school, there's over 400 students that are in poverty. They're clothing, they need food. And they're coming to us and saying, would you partner with us and help us to minister to these kids? Wow. You think? I think that's incredible. I've been praying for years about doing a baseball clinic outreach. Right? Because I played baseball. I like baseball, so amen. You know? Some of you do golf outreaches. God bless you. Some of you are involved in fathers in the field and you like to go hunting and praise the Lord. It's good. I've been praying for years to do a baby. Do you know this year, Lord willing, we're going to do this May 30th? The Lord opened a door at La Cueva High School, I believe, to use their high school field. I've got friends who have been in major leagues. One of them is now part of SCORE International, and he's going to come and he's going to bring a team with him of major league players so that we can go and minister to 8- to 12-year-olds and their families and watch it grow from there. Hey, <laughs> that's, that's God doing that. That's the Lord accomplishing that. Don uh, disciples several pro players, one of them Lee Guterman, which we're going to pray about having him come. Those of you who know baseball, if you don't know Lee Guterman, then you don't know baseball, okay? It's all right. He's a pitcher with the Yankees. July 4th, I was out here with Jonathan on July 4th, right? We came out here to watch the fireworks, and I saw all these people here. I saw all these people. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, they're coming to our own field. To sit here 
at 9 o'clock and every once in a while get a glimpse. <laughs> Lord, is there something you would have in this for us? What would you have us to do? And started praying about that and I thank the Lord for Eric Brewer and Jason, their willingness to work together. They're going to work on and pray through and put together, Lord willing, a July 4th picnic for that evening so that we can sit out here and minister to the families that are already coming to this field and present to them the gospel and maybe give them a free hot dog, right? And let them celebrate July 4th. See, those are things that God does. That's what the Lord's doing. You know, the other day, uh, Jim Deerhold and Jeff Rose invited some of us as pastors to go down. The mayor had a, a special lunch, and he invited people of the faith community to come. And the chief of police, Chief Eden, spoke briefly. He asked everybody for prayer. And one of the programs they do is coffee with a cop. Coffee with a cop. So all of us were sitting there, we're going, man, coffee with a cop. We, we already have a couple policemen here. I wonder if we could do something here where we could have coffee with a cop in the morning, on Sunday morning, and, and maybe we could do something for the police. And maybe Chief Eden would come. So I wrote Chief Eden and I asked him, would you be willing to come to Hoffmantown on a Sunday morning and just ask our people to be in prayer? We want to support you. We appreciate all that you're doing. We pr- appreciate the Albuquerque Police Department. We'd like to have... Uh, coffee and a cop in our fellowship mall and invite you to come and share with our people what God's doing and how we can pray. You know, he wrote me back, and they're coming February 22nd. So we need a lot of donuts. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And whoever's making the coffee that morning, God bless you, it better be good. It better be good. Hey, those are, the, those are the doors that we're talking about. When you begin to walk with the Lord and you begin to follow God and you begin to say, Lord, what would you have us to do? It's amazing what God's doing. It's amazing what God can do. It's amazing the doors that he will begin to open up. And it may take some time to get there because God knows the right time. But God will bring you into it. God will cultivate your walk with him. God will cultivate your relationship with him through the word, the message of salvation, through the church, the body of believers, through the word of God. And he'll strengthen us in that. And then we get the the privilege of following him in the midst of what he wants to do so that he gets the glory for it. And we can give a report with one another and say, Look what God has done. Look at what God is doing. Let's praise him for that. Amen? Are you being strengthened in your walk, in your relationship with Christ? Are you being established in the faith so that no matter what the circumstance may be, in the midst of it, you're experiencing God and you're learning how to think his thoughts and to walk with him in his ways. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.